It is another edition of Play by Playcast. It is the podcast about play by play broadcasters for play by play broadcasters, hosted by a play by play broadcaster, a professional development podcast that dives into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparation of some of the biggest and best play by play announcers in the business. My name is Joel Godet. Our guest today, live from Indianapolis, live as we record this, uh, is Matt Schumacher of Fox Sports. Um, Matt, uh, we'll dive into some things here quickly, but I do know that a year ago, almost to the day, uh, you did a podcast the day after your son was born. So just in competitive standpoint, um, what fun happened yesterday in your life? (laughs) He turned one. So here we, here (laughs) I am again. That's, that's ironic. (laughs) That's awesome. I was like, I was like, how can I top? He had a child yesterday. Um, that's uh, that's we were just talking before we hit record. Uh, it is a busy life when you are a full time realtor, a full time broadcaster, and a and a full time dad. Yeah, I the MVP of our house is definitely my wife. There's no, there's absolutely no question about that. It's been that way since my first child was born. She turns three in April, as you referenced. My son turned one yesterday, and uh, it just seems busier in the winter time probably because we can't get outside. So like inside the house is just commotion all the time. And then basketball season, as you know, Joel, it's probably like the busiest time, whether or not you call more games during basketball or not, you're always in a different spot and the games fall on different days of the week. So like you could be working on a Tuesday, Thursday, and a Sunday. And then the next week you're working Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So there's really no pattern to it. Whereas for football, everybody kind of knows what the deal is. You work on Saturday and maybe you leave Friday or whatever, but it's fun. Let's talk about uh, what you do. Cause you work uh, for Fox sports and big 10 network mainly, but I was, I was doing the old research the other day and I was, I was scrolling through LinkedIn and I was like, Oh my God. Uh, so just for perspective, I want to throw out the, the career trajectory of Matt Schumacher. Oh um, so we've got Fox sports, big 10 network, uh, some work with ESPN, Real estate broker, which we'll talk about, um, doing some work around the Midwest, Indy 11, soccer, Chicago Sky, Big East Conference, um, United Soccer League, freelance at Louisville and at Kentucky, uh, did a summer with the Louisville Bats, worked as a host for Bleacher Report, Lansing Lugnuts for a summer, uh, Northwest, uh, or excuse me, Pensacola Blue Wahoos for a summer, production job. Uh, for a couple of months with the NFL Network. I'm assuming that's around the Combine. Um, Elite Media Group for a year as a producer, host, and marketer. Director of Media Relations with the Johnson City Cardinals. And then a play-by-play broadcaster at Washington University while you were also doing freelance production with CBS, doing radio at Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, and working as a sideline reporter for PrepCast Broadcast Network. So you've gotten around. This has been a a meteoric rise for you. Um, um when did gosh. when did you know that like a this is what I want to do and b this is how I'm going after it I think I'm different in that I did not do any of this in college um I actually didn't even think about play by play as a job until I got out of college I went to college thinking like oh it'd be fun to be a sports center anchor but then did very little uh, because I was a knucklehead to position myself for a job like that out of school. Truth be told, 
I ran track in college and was delusional about where that would take me post-college. Okay. I didn't come close to where I thought it could take me and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I did some, I did some random hosting for various courses at Butler, you know, where we'd sit behind the desk and do a, a sports show. And I really liked it. I was sports obsessed growing up, watched sports center 20 times a day. Like it seems most of us did. Uh, that was the heyday of sports center, by the way. Um, but then I got out of school and I started doing like this sideline reporting for a digital high school sports network, if you want to call it that. And one day their, their, um, football play-by-play -play guy couldn't make it. It was like a couple days before the game. So my boss called me and was like, Hey, uh, can you do football play-by-play? -play? I was like, definitely. He's like, have you done it before? I said, definitely. And so I did it. And it was actually my alma mater in St. Louis, which was a lot of fun. And the people there helped me out a lot. And I, I fell in love with it right then and there. So I was like, man, how can I make this a career? And you just illustrated how I sort of made it a career. Uh, it took a lot of different odd jobs. And there was many things not listed on there that were not broadcast related. Valeting cars, washing dishes, whatever it takes. You know, you know how it is. So, um, but that's kind of how I got started in it. And that was right after I graduated college. Tell me about some of the production side of it, um, where I think, I think it was Elite Media Group was the name of the company, um, where you got involved with like a production house or a production company, even if it was an, uh, an on-air role or a, some sort of behind-the-scenes role. Um, what were those jobs like and how did that, not really having exposure to the broadcasting side of the world before graduation like how did that get you into this and say like all right now i'm gonna learn the ropes and this is gonna put me around what i want to do yeah so for example like the cbs sports stuff um that was around arch madness which is always in st louis is where i'm from and at the time it's back where i was living because i was living at my parents house since i didn't have a job um and it was cool I was, I was basically a runner for Allie LaForce, who was the sideline reporter at the time. And she and I were just like combing through game notes and um, media guides and stuff. And I was kind of helping her find various things that she needed for hits that were going to come up throughout the course of the day. And she probably doesn't even remember that, but I remember it because it was my first real ex exposure to big time television in and out of the production trucks, seeing how frenzied yet in control the production truck is and how many different moving parts there are to create a television production, live TV especially. And I was so hooked, so hooked. It was like a shot of adrenaline. Um, so that was, that was really eye-opening in that, wow, there's a lot more that goes into this than just some guy setting up shop at a, you know, uh, sideline broadcast table and talking about the game and then various other things after that like elite media group that was a that was a pretty um bare bones operation so i was doing a lot of different things and it was totally all freelance work so it kind of made me a self-starter like i was always pitching my boss on hey we should go to notre dame this weekend or hey there's uh 
there's a our fan rally before a Pacers game. You know, little things like that. Mainly just because I wanted to get paid, Joel. So if <laughs> I convinced him on different things that we did, that meant I got paid. But it was the production side was really eye opening, and my first real um, job in college basketball actually was running the graphics. I was helping the graphics coordinator in Fox college basketball trucks here in Indianapolis. And uh, again, similar to my first experience with CBS years and years before that, I got to see the the show unfold from a different perspective. And now that I'm on the other side, sitting at the table, I think it's, it's good that I had that experience because I know what, what everyone's going through in the truck and how that ecosystem works. I was going to say, where does that still sit with you today? Like, how does that make you a better broadcaster having seen all of those working pieces? Well, first of all, I think it's just, it's always helpful to have an understanding of the position that other people are in who are on your team. So, you know, if something, if something's not going well production wise that the producer and the director have no control over, you know, audio issues or graphics issues where I'm not going to blow up. Cause I've been there before I get it. Uh, you know, at the same time going into shows, I know how much prep they put into it. You know, I'm not the only one who's prepping. They might be prepping more than I am, honestly, in some cases. And so trying to be a good teammate in that regard and help them with their prep, like, hey, guys, here's some storylines I'm really excited to to dive into in the show. Here's maybe some some stats or figures that back up the storyline. And then it becomes a collaborative effort as opposed to they're doing their thing and I'm doing my thing. And then we try to make it work on game day. Um, I think was the, is it fair to say like the Big East stuff was – when things really started to come together and you were doing a lot more on air stuff. And, and obviously that gets your foot in the door with kind of bigger time college athletics. It's definitely fair to say that. Yeah. I, I, it's funny you bring that up though. Cause I had somebody ask me the other day, he's a mortgage broker here in town and thinks it's really cool that I, that I call basketball games. How do I do this too? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, when was your, when was your big break? And I thought about it and I was like, dude, I've had like a hundred mini breaks. Like a slow moving break. Yeah, totally. There was not one. And, you know, everybody, you know, this better than anyone, probably because you interview so many different play by play people at different courses of their career. But like, truly, everyone's path is different. And I think when I first got started, I was really focused on, man, when am I going to get my big break, my big break, my big break. And now I'm you know, shoot eight or nine years in doing the TV thing. And I can look back and honestly say I I've had like double digit breaks, but certainly the big East one was huge because I was leaving Johnson city, which was my first job in minor league baseball. And I didn't really have a what's next plan. And then, you know, I went to Butler Ran track there, knew the people in the athletic department. My senior year, we joined the Big East. I kept a good relationship with the director of broadcasting in the athletics department. He called me and said, hey, you should, do you have a job? No. 
the Big East is expanding their digital footprint to the Midwest, you should reach out to Brad Zach, who then became my boss for four or five years. He's now at the WWE. Great human. And so you're right, like a lot of fortunate kind of um, offshoots of me going to Butler. When they went, when I went to Butler, Joel, we were in the Horizon League. Never in a million years did I think we would end up in the Big East. And now looking back on it, how how amazing and fortuitous it was for me and my broadcasting career that we did. Because as you know, Fox, my senior year, Fox became like the television partner of the Big East. Now I work for Fox. That probably doesn't happen or it doesn't happen certainly in the speed in which it happened had I not gone to Butler. When did you, and maybe this goes back a little bit to to that first time the the football play-by-play guy couldn't make it, um, but, but when did you know what you wanted to do? Was it like, I want to be a play-by-play guy when you got your heart set on this, or was it um, cause I know with the big East, you started being a reporter and, and doing some features reporting. Um, was it like, Hey, I just want to be on air and I want to tell stories or did you have your heart set that I, I want to call games from an early standpoint? So, you know, we can take, well, let's take this really far back. <laughs> I don't, I don't really remember this, but in sixth, seventh and eighth grade, my, my younger brother and I built a wiffle ball um field in our backyard like a true field lines bags a mound we had we even had like one of those um stationary strike zones in the back just so that nobody got upset. you can't be yeah, yeah you can't call your own balls and strikes with your brother exactly just let the data show <laughs> um my friends remember me like semi calling those games like oh joe's up three, two count, two outs and two on, you know, but I don't, I never really thought about it that way. Cause I didn't, I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be a professional athlete and frankly, didn't care what sport <laughs> I, I went from football to basketball, to baseball, to track. None of them worked. Uh, but so, so like I always had a little bit of an affinity for the media side, I guess, without even knowing it. Then in college, I was like, man, I'd love to be a sports center anchor. I interned for our, the local NBC affiliate here, which was fun. But then a few months into doing play-by-play at the high school level in St. Louis, I got the itch for it. And I knew ultimately that's what I really wanted to do, but I was also interested in the other things. And so if it got me on air, I pretty much said yes to it. You are, I, I think, with everything we've just talked about, I believe you're the first realtor that we've had on this podcast. <laughs> wow. Um, how did you how did you craft out uh, a life, so to speak? Um, and I don't just mean like having a life. I mean, like, this is your life. How did you, this is how I'm going to eat. Uh, this is how I'm going to work. Um, this is how my wife is not going to leave me. Um, <laughs> how, how did, like, when did, when did like, I'm going to be, like I'm going to be a realtor and I'm going to call games and I'm going to make those things work so that I can do this. Um, how did that come together? That's a great story. Uh, I had a deal with ESPN that started in October of 2019 part-time deal, but it was a recurring contract. So for the first time in my life, I was getting paid weekly, whether I called a game or not. 
huge deal for me, right? As it would be for anybody who scrapes by on minor league baseball pay. Um, my wife liked it too, because we were recently married. So it provided a little bit more stability. She at the time was in the medical field, which is very stable. So she was still learning like how volatile this, this business is that I chose. Um, it was going great. Felt like it was leading to something bigger in the spring of 2020. We all know what happened that spring. I, in fact, I was actually at the garden doing digital hosting for the Big East conference when COVID like really, uh, when the fallout happened, you know, Rudy Gobert tested positive and the NBA suspended its season, yada, yada. So I get home, you know, my, I'm still getting paid by ESPN. So that's nice, but I'm like, gosh, you know, what am I going to do? How long is this going to last? I'll fast forward to June. My contract expires at that point. And obviously now we're in the throes of COVID and nothing is going to come back the way we thought it did. And my father-in-law is a real estate developer here in Indy. He and I were chatting one evening. He's like, you know, if you're bored, you ought to think about getting your real estate license. I knew nothing about real estate, Joel. Nothing, nothing. My dad was not into real estate. My mom was not. In, I didn't know anybody into real estate. Um, but he encouraged me to do it. So I studied for a month and a half thinking like, oh, this could be cool to have. And whether or not I use it is whatever, because by September, October, I'll be calling games again. July comes around and I'm like, oh, S-H-I-T. Games are not coming around. And by the way, my wife's pregnant. So I'm unemployed. We're a single income house. My wife is pregnant. I should take the test and become a realtor. That's how I got, that's how I became a realtor. And so in September, 2020, I went to work thinking like, man, I hope sports comes back, but I'd be okay if this is my job. And it went really well in year one. And so in 2021, sports were still, it was still very like uncertain for me. The games were feast or famine. And so I actually really considered um, walking away from broadcasting altogether and making a business, my business, uh, my full-time career. My wife and I prayed about it for a week. And uh, I, my prayer was that God would close every door in broadcasting and make it clear that I am going down the right path by making real estate my, my full-time business. And a week later, Fox called. So I don't know. You I know, said, close listening. every door, God. I <laughs> said, close every door. And instead he opened like the biggest door he could have opened. And so now I'm still doing it. And now I'm doing both. And uh, again, it goes back to what I said in the beginning, which is my wife's the real MVP of the house, because I could not do it, especially with two little kids, if if she wasn't so awesome. So what uh, what happens if you're at shoot around and somebody wants to go to an open house? <laughs> so. Um, 2021, I was still a solo agent, meaning everything I was doing, I was doing myself booking showings, taking people on showings, listing appointments, yada, yada. I was sitting in the control room at Big Ten Network about to call a women's basketball game. My boss walks in 
I'm getting a call from my client saying that there's, uh, or no, I'm getting a call from a realtor who's about to show my listing saying that the lockbox is missing, texting my client, the seller, asking if he knows what happened to the lockbox. My boss is trying to talk to me, the producer's in my ear. And at that moment, I was like, I'm doing a disservice to both. Um, I need to figure something out. So for the last two and a half years, I've been on a team and I have agents show houses for me during like my busy seasons, write offers for me. It's awesome. And it's the only way that I'm able to do it because you're right. Like, you know, last weekend I was in a snowstorm in Iowa. There's no chance I was doing any work real estate wise. And so, um, you know, Crystal Maldonado, shout out to you. She's never going to listen to this because she doesn't like sports, but she was handling everything for me. And uh, it was really amazing. So did you like start your own real estate company, basically? No. So I joined Century 21 Sheets, but I mean, this is going to be boring for most people. Oh, I mean, like from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Yeah, they're listening to it for play-by-play. -play, There's we some are Shark talking. Tank aspect to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> When you when you join a real estate brokerage, you are a 1099. So okay. it's like that brokerage offers you resources, but it's it's really your own business. Like you're going out and cultivating leads, finding buyers and sellers, okay. doing your own marketing, all that stuff. So from the standpoint of like learning how to run a business for a guy that was never entrepreneurial, knew nothing about real estate, knew nothing about business. It was like drinking from the fire hose. But I learned a lot and grew a lot. And then I joined a team where it's similar in that I still have my own clients, but there's a lot more support. There's a lot more uh, team aspect, more collaborative aspect now gotcha. in, the, in the situation that I'm currently in. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's at least one person out there who's like, this real estate thing could be good. Um, it could be you. I mean, I mean, you never know. Um, I, I live in the right market for it. Um, way to make easy commissions is to try to sell real estate in Boston. There you go. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about, we'll divert back to the play-by-play the -play side of things. And I'm, and I'm curious for you, especially being where you are now and calling the games you're calling now and working with a lot of the people that you work with. Um, we talk a lot about working with analysts. Um on this podcast and working with different folks. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like when you're starting more often than not, you're working with younger, sometimes inexperienced analysts. Um, you know, I would, I would do, I mean, I can think like when, when I would do games at ball state, particularly for Olympic sports, you're finding like a former athlete who's literally never done television before. And they're looking at you and like, here, help me out. Like, and, and you're trying to, you're, I mean, it's part of the play-by-play -play person's job to guide the color analyst, to put them in the best position. And there's a lot of you helping them do that. Mm -hmm. One skill set. Once you start working with Bill Raftery, um, he he does not need that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a no. very different experience when you work with very recognizable, very veteran analysts at the highest levels of this industry. Um, What's it like for you when you get seated next to those folks in terms of developing the right relationships to create the best product when when you're the the inexperienced one of the pair? Yeah. Gosh, that's a great question. Um, 
first of all, it's awesome because as you know, the whole TV thing is such a team effort. And we talked about it a little bit earlier with the production side of things. Certainly, you know, it's crucial to have that team aspect with your analyst. And if, if there's a sideline reporter with them, um, I'm really, really fortunate. I've, I can't, people ask me, which I don't know what this says about human nature, but people always ask me, who's the worst analyst you've worked with? And I truly can't pick one, which is a huge blessing because they've all been good. You know, they're different. You know, some people have more of a dry sense of humor. Some are way more charismatic, like Raph. Um, some are more X's and O's. Some are more storytellers. But regardless, I appreciate each one of them for the individuality that they bring. But then more than that, Joel, like how committed they are to having a good broadcast and knowing that it's got to be collaborative. Like there may be something that I really want to say based on what they're saying currently, but then they kind of take it somewhere else before we can get to my uh, addition. And I choose not to say it because it's like, ah, the time has passed. And they do the same thing with me because it's not about, look what I know. Or, man, how how can I make this a better broadcast? It's how can we make it a better broadcast? So I love that aspect of working with the experienced guys that, I, that I'm fortunate enough to work with. You know, Donnie Marshall, Nick Bai, I think, is one of the best out there. And maybe not a lot of people know who he is still yet outside of the Big East, but I think he's going to be like a megastar. Um Dickie Simpkins is a great friend of mine, funny guy, uh, loves little, little sayings that he has. So, um, I guess to get back to your question though, I've kind of, I've kind of gone on a tangent to get back to your question on how it's different and how I kind of approach it. I like to, if I'm working with somebody for the first time, I will straight up ask them, you know, do you, how do you like to how do you like to make your imprint on the game? Like, do you like to talk X's and O's? Are there stories that you want to tell? Um, you know, here's, here's kind of how my style is. If you've never heard me call a game before. And, and I feel at least in my experience recently that that really helps to create a, an understanding when you're meeting the person for the first time of how it's going to work. And when you get to a certain level too, you know, calling these bigger games on the networks. Like even if it's the first time you've ever worked with that person before, it's pretty, pretty confidently not their first game being called before. And so they get it and you can pretty quickly just get into that rhythm, which is not the case when you're just getting started and you're both brand new to the thing. What are the things that you do like sitting down with an analyst and, and having that conversation um, but in game that help you out and keep you on track and, and produce a good product. And I mean, like I, I always create bullet points at the start of the game. I'm like, these are the three things that are important to me. And I want to make sure that I come back to them because they were important at the start of the game and remind myself, are they still important? Or are they no longer important? Kind of show that, that thread. Um, are there things that you do that you feel you need to do to have a good show? I lost you. That's because I muted myself. Um, <laughs> duh. I do something very similar. 
uh, it's kind of like themes for each team, you know, two or three, and then overall theme of the game. So like, is it a Q1 game for, if we're just talking basketball, is it a quad one opportunity for both teams or one team or the other? And especially as you get deeper into the season, that becomes a bigger and bigger deal to the fan bases. Um, so I make notes of that on my, on my chart. I also ask the analysts, like, what are the two or three things that you think are most important in this game? And I make a note of that on my board because it's always great. I think if you can come back to what the analyst is thinking about, because ultimately that's what like the fans, they want us to call a, a palatable game, but they're really there to listen to like what Dickie has to say. He won three NBA championships. I won zero. Uh, so like, you know, helping them get to where they want to get to and having that on your board, even if it's just one word is really helpful for me. And then the other thing that I started doing late last year at halftime, I take like the three top stories of the first half for each team. So it could be, you know, Creighton was 10 of 11 from the foul line and they only scored 30 points. So a third of their scoring came from the foul line. That's a big story. Or, you know, uh, Max Acemas for Texas. I just had one of his games. Leading scorer for Texas and one of the leading scorers in the nation only has eight points. Why, why, why? And we get into that in the second half. But, you know, if there's there's a lot going on on these national TV games, way beyond just the game, you know, getting in promos, getting in graphics, telling stories. So just having that little nugget written on paper for me is a huge uh, benefit because otherwise I'm going to forget. Tell me what else is in front of you because uh, we referenced that the other podcast I heard you talk about last year, you had a stretch of six games in eight days yeah. uh, <laughs> while, while working as a realtor. Um, how on God's green earth did you know what you were talking about? Well, <laughs> I mean, so I try to work ahead. Like th this year I've had a few stretches like that where I had, you know, four games in six days or I, this year, actually around Thanksgiving, I did five games in a row. Only one of those I had to get on a plane. So the travel's cut down. It's, you get to the hotel, you, you start to get into your prep quicker. Um, I have an iPad in front of me, which if I'm early in the season is especially helpful because not only is do I have stats right there, but I've got like 17 tabs open, you know, rosters for both teams, maybe, uh, um, you know, the big East every year puts out a, uh, or Fox maybe does it, but they put out a uh, big East preview for each team. And it's like a two pager for each team that's on there, especially early in the season, um, you know, conference website. So I can see okay, who is the player of the week. That's really helpful in stretches like that, because you're right. Like there's only so much, <clears throat> excuse me, there's only so much your brain can absorb. And um, so in stretches like that, the big thing for me is name, number, nugget. I learned that from Lisa Byington, who I filled in for on the Chicago Sky, which you referenced like years and years and years ago. She's been a great mentor to me. And, and that's one thing I learned from her is like flashcards. So on one side is the number and the other side is a name and one nugget, just one. If, the, if, if you've got multiple, great. But like when you're doing five games in five days, one is plenty. And then you can build on that as the game goes along. And it's the one thing like you always hear somebody say, like swings it to Johnson. 
who's just coming off a 30 point game. Right. There's always something associated with a name in your head. If somebody touches the ball, if the opportunity allows. No doubt. Cause you know, like as a play-by-play guy, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than going into a game, not feeling like, you know, the cast. And I feel like if I know the cast, then I can be really confident and call a much better game because I'm not worried about, wait, wait, who's number five again? And then I'm looking down while the play is happening. If I know confidently number five is Max Johnson, then then that takes me to that next level of the call. So so the name number nugget thing was a really – it's so simple and – and yet so profound for me in my career, especially in those stretches where I have a lot of games in a short amount of time. I was going to say, how much time do you need to feel confident? <laughs> Gosh, I, I think it depends on the sport. It also depends on like, have I seen these teams before? You know, I call a lot of Big East hoops. So by January, February, my prep time is substantially cut down. I also watch a lot of Big East hoops. Same with Big Ten, you know. Um, the other day I did Cincinnati, Texas. I had seen Cincinnati in the crosstown shootout, but I'd never seen Texas before and knew way less about the Big 12 than the Big 10 and the Big East. So I spent more time reading big picture storylines, you know, diving into um what the national pundits are saying about the league and how many teams are gonna make the tournament and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of skirted your question a little bit, but like it's very dependent for me on how familiar am I with the teams, the league, and then obviously the sport football is king as far as the amount of prep time. Have you ever called track? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, is that the one thing in the back of your, your cap? It's like, if you ever need a track guy, I can do both. Um, yes. Well, actually, I, funny enough, I have done both. This goes back. The, this goes back. No, oh. <laughs> although that would have been actually. Yes. I called the Big East track and field indoor championships like five years ago. And there was a sideline reporter who knew nothing about track and then me. So in a way, I guess I was doing both, but I wasn't like (laughs) switching back and forth. Analyst chair, play-by-play chair. Do you like it? Or is it one of those where it's like, I don't want to be the track guy. Or is it fun to dabble in like the, this is my wheelhouse. I love track and field. And a bucket list for me is calling the Olympics track and field, like the finals. So um, I love it. The thing about track and field is like, there's not enough of it for me to become like the track guy, unless I move to Europe because they are obsessed. There's something to be said for that. There is. I got to get my family on board with that. (laughs) Um, But it's so fun. It's such a, it's such a pure form of athletic competition. It's mano y mano, whether it's pole vault, long jump, or straight up line them up for a hundred yard, hundred meter dash. Um, there's no hiding. And I just love that raw aspect of it as an athletic competition. You know, there who doesn't love team sports? We all do. But I think we all really get up for the Olympics, like swimming, gymnastics, and track, wrestling, because it's so pure competition there's something we said for the there's no place to hide in broadcasting as well because it is very yeah, you're right <laughs> it is very revealing so it's almost a good parallel um 
Matt, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and great to sit here and chat with you for uh, 40 minutes or so. And um, glad you were able to, to share some insights with us and um, looking forward to catching you on, on TV for the rest of the basketball season. Thanks, man. It was fun. Appreciate it.